Welcome to the Digital Horizons Leaders Podcast. My name is Michal Katz, and I head the Investment and Corporate Banking Division at Mizuho Americas. Today, I welcome Jody Eddy, who has been with Boston Scientific since 2013. In her current role, Jody is responsible for positioning Boston Scientific for success across multidisciplinary digital and information technology needs and overseeing the company's strategy for digital health, data analytics, and cybersecurity. Jody leads an IT organization and an expanded digital team worldwide that are focused on continued advancement into complex integrated digital solutions to address evolving customer and patient data needs. Prior to Boston Scientific, Jody held various leadership roles over her 18-year tenure at GE. Welcome, Jody, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. So let's just jump right into tech trends, Jody. Boston Scientific is in the business of medical devices, which I think we can all agree have come a long way over the past several decades. Can you talk a little bit about how the mass adoption of technology enabled your company to deliver better devices and services to your end users? Sure. Well, it does in many ways. So first of all, in general, leveraging data and connectivity to optimize how we work internally and make smarter decisions and, of course, advance our products and service offerings. And externally, technology helps us better engage our patients and support our physicians and make it easier for all of our customers to do business with Boston Scientific. But To be more specific, I can give some recent examples from this challenging lockdown period of COVID. So as you can imagine, during this time, access to operating rooms was highly restricted. However, we were able to continue to provide care at a distance through remote case management. We leveraged technology to guide physicians during procedures without ever entering the operating room. And another example is how we are providing on-demand and targeted clinical education, which is very important for our physicians. Uh, We do this by providing a virtual immersive training experience, which we can provide remotely from anywhere the physician may be and at times that are convenient to them. So this was essential during COVID lockdown. However, it's forever useful. So those are, those are two recent examples. No, that's fantastic because you've kind of jumped ahead to kind of where I was going with it. COVID has clearly accelerated many of the technology trends we're seeing. We've all been seeing the, the remote work from home or anywhere else for that matter. And telehealth has really come to the front. And you've actually just talked about this is beyond telehealth. This is actually taking it to the operating room and beyond. So maybe we jump into the next trend, which is the Internet of Things, or Cisco used to coin the Internet of Everything, which talks about the connectivity of devices, particularly as it implies or impacts personal health. And I think most people try to think about it as a Fitbit or other type of health applications. Can you talk about how Boston Scientific is leveraging this interconnectivity of devices? Yes. Well, you know, I think it's pretty exciting to think about the possibilities here with the Internet of Things. So first, it's important to note that wearables alone are becoming much more reliable because they're incorporating new sensors with better accuracy and unprecedented sensitivity levels. So this means that data is becoming much richer and more trustworthy. 
So for example, many wearables either now or in the near future will have the capability to sense vitals that we haven't easily been able to uh, monitor externally uh, in a continuous way like you know, never before. So things like blood pressure, oxygen levels, glucose levels, you know, there's potential that this continuous non-invasive monitoring can enable a paradigm shift in healthcare. So if you if you think about connecting these numerous consumer devices like your Fitbit or you know your scale or you know your toothbrush or maybe even your your toilet someday, right? Along with health devices, implantable devices, heart monitors such as pacemakers or ICDs. All of this data together shared with your physician office, with your insurance provider, maybe your caretaker, you know, your own smartphone, your own applications. This really provides a window into many areas which were historically a black box of healthcare and healthcare delivery in the past. So through this continuous monitoring of data and the connectivity of data, it can be correlated and analyzed and potentially uh, have advanced artificial intelligence algorithms layered on top, we'll get new insights into so many disease conditions and comorbidities that will become apparent. You know, you, you can think potentially we'll be able to identify and treat issues much, much earlier and much faster with higher accuracy because we have this information from this connected ecosystem of devices that'll help us just continually improve the care process in a very, very personalized way. So we're focused on putting the patient in the center and making sure that we have the optimal treatment for the individual based on their unique set of data. It's just incredible to think about how much more accurate and relevant information you can get that would benefit the patient. But one of the unintended consequences as you were talking, I was thinking whether it be the physicians who have this data, insurance companies, and what have you, there could be some unintended consequences around privacy and security and data security as part of your role as uh, the chief digital officer as well. Can you talk a little bit about some of those perhaps overlooked consequences? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you bring up uh, data privacy and cybersecurity, and obviously that is you know something we could never take our eye off the ball. Uh, whether it is you know the bad guys are getting more clever all the time, and you know a little bit more nasty all the time, we always have to focus in there. But regulations change around data as well, so I think security is a given that we have to think about that all the time. Overlooked impacts of the massive amounts of data that the connectivity and the internet of things will bring to us. It's likely that some of the insights from the data that we analyze will be smarter than our own human ability to interpret and understand the implications. And I think that could get into some ethical considerations. You know, another another challenge is that the data that we bring forward it's only as applicable as the data that's used to generate the insight. So in other words, we have to make sure that we're making conclusions uh, appropriate to the data sets and not generalizing beyond what is appropriate. And, uh, you know, also finally, the last thing I'll say is that there's no unintended bias in the data. 
and perhaps more data will drive research dollars into areas that have been underserved before or are unaware of. So I think it could be some positive unintended consequences as well. One tends to think about the big brother and the negativity, but there's just so much good that has been brought. So thanks for that. You talked a little bit before about the um, AI and the ability of the layer of intelligence that you put on top of the data in order to drive more personalized applicability uh, solutions. I mean, are there other cutting edge technologies that are emerging in healthcare that um, maybe are not yet kind of fully deployed, but things that you see kind of in the pipeline of innovation? Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about two different scenarios. For me, um, one that is really exciting is data that will be used during surgery real-time data combined with AI, with or without robotics, but it is incredibly exciting. If you think about collecting the data from the smart tools, from scans, from virtually any device in the operating room during the procedure and layering AI over that, it can provide surgeons with real-time information that can greatly improve the precision of the procedure and also you know, reduce and potentially prevent any errors because any unexpected events can be dealt with really swiftly. So think about, you know, different or complicated anatomies that can be navigated with greater ease and greater confidence. Imagine guided internal navigation, which is smooth and nearly perfect based not just on the skill and the feel of your surgeon, but on continuous data being collected and analyzed during the procedure and of the actual condition. So this will, you know, hopefully result in much faster procedures, you know, which is great, less anesthesia needed, faster recoveries in in really uh, drastically improved outcomes. Another emerging technology which we are seeing, you know, it's not it's still far from being perfected, but there's a lot of focus on augmented and mixed reality. So bringing this patient data whether it's CT images or x-rays into the real world through a smart glass or a smart lens, it, you know, it almost gives the surgeon x-ray vision. And in the same way, this can improve these surgical out- outcomes and speed up the procedure and have so many of the same benefits. Uh, so there's a lot more to come in that space. Thanks for that. You know, just thinking about tech, and as you know, my background is from uh, the tech side of the world prior to uh, running the investment bank division here, but can't help but think about blockchain which is a technology has been much talked about. Where do you see blockchain playing in the healthcare? Do you think that it could enable potentially more secure, portable, personal healthcare records? Do you see broader adoption of the technology? So I do. I think so. You know, I think we're still doing a lot of experimenting here and there's a lot more to be seen. But I can imagine for sure using blockchain to keep medical data safe in an incorruptible format that's decentralized so that patients, doctors, healthcare providers, insurance, all can access easily this secure, uncorruptible uh, format of data. So I think that'll be a big use. We also see uh, specifically in uh, you know, some emerging countries, blockchain helping the supply chain, making it more effective, more efficient, and also you know, helping law enforcement potentially review any specific activity like drug trafficking. So you can help verify all points of the shipment. You can help combat counterfeiting with traceability. You can show a clear history of possession and ownership. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future we can take these learnings and that, you know, that we're 
that we're using to monitor supply chain and maybe monitor a disease state with the same way? Can we monitor it with time and date stamps around symptoms and events? You know, that remains to be seen. So I think it's, um, I think it's particularly important uh, when there's no trusted third party, of course, uh, where, again, in a lot of emerging markets, we see the needs there much more. But I do think the, the broad general needs are still unclear. And, you know, it's, it's a great space to watch and see how that evolves. Thank you. So across many sectors and across many industries, we're seeing the democratization of technology leveling the playing field for startups and emerging players uh, that compete against incumbents, the more established companies out there. And you coming from an industry bellwether, do you think that innovation has been mostly driven by incumbents or startups? Or do you think that bellwethers are still able to innovate internally and not just via acquisitions or JVs with some of the startups? Yeah, I, I, I could say yes <laughs> to, to that. I think it's true. Yes. You know, both to an extent. I think the, you know, the development barriers for digital health solutions have been steadily dropping, you know, as technology advances, there's more cloud capabilities, there's some better standards, there's better data availability. So all of these things help some of these smaller startups develop applications on the cloud for mobile operating systems and deliver value. You know, in addition to those things, the consumer digital has enabled incredible hardware commodization. So what do I mean by that? We put cameras on disposable endoscopes. <laughs> you know, you have wearable center, sensors for EKGs. So all of these things do lend themselves uh, to have the door wide open for digital health innovation in startups. And there's a ton of investment there, as you know, and they're taking advantage of that. However, you know, the regulatory, the security, as we mentioned, the privacy, the health system integration challenges have not reduced nearly as much. So those barriers to implementation, to scaling, that remains quite significant. So, you know, for these reasons, I say yes, because I think in some cases, startups can play an outsized role in the initial innovation, but incumbents still play an outsized role in scaling and maturing and, you know, regulatory approval of these. Are there any startups that have captured your attention or mind share? It's, it's always so interesting. I do miss being able to travel and going to, you know, some of these conferences and get to speak with folks face to face. There's a lot we keep our eye on for sure. For me, the interesting startups are those that are focused on AI, advancing some of these algorithms and you know, playing around with diagnostics or platforms that can consolidate and manage and simplify massive amounts of data for hospitals. Those are really interesting. What's important for startups is that they're able to integrate into hospital workflows. So we love startups that can collaborate and work really closely with hospitals and gardener some clinical evidence very rapidly. I also love real world data and any startups that can capture this in a very effective way, especially with some remote capabilities as we're looking at now, those are a few of the startups that we're keeping our eye on. That's terrific. Thank you for that. Maybe we talk a little bit about some of the challenges. What threats or challenges um, do you, a CTO, feel that you need to stay in front of? Uh, well, uh, we touched upon th the biggest one, which is data, product, product security, privacy, which is always critical and always evolving. And, you know, of course, we always have to be focused on that. 
So that's a given, you know, for threats. The challenges with the momentum behind digital now, which is just amazing. I say there's there's never been a better time to be in IT, in digital, and never been a better time to be in digital and healthcare because the momentum is just incredible. Um, so we love that. But uh, with that momentum can come sprawl of multiple solutions across an enterprise. And it can make it hard to create a consistent continuous customer and user experience for our solution. So, you know, a challenge that we have is having the right light overlay of governance and guardrails in place that both foster innovation and also drive some standards in focus. So that's a that's a pretty fun challenge. You know, we have to make sure we're always now in this very very user-centric world. We have to make sure that it's not the product, it's the patient or the physician, or the end user, who's in the center of all of our designs for our products and our solutions. So always keeping that outside in looking and reminding ourselves as a device company, as a product company, not to focus just on the device, but always focus on that outside in. And then, you know, the the last big challenge I'll mention as we've been talking about through this whole thread here is managing and connecting that data across many, many platforms seamlessly. Because you know the old saying, you know, like garbage in, garbage out. So like our data has to connect and flow to create a very, very powerful foundation um, to launch any of these other digital health capabilities, products and services. So these are, um, you know, the acceleration and the momentum and the investment is welcomed and we love it, but it does bring its own set of challenges. Right. Always need to stay ahead too. And so maybe kind of moving to um, switching gears a tad and talking about some leadership. In an interview, when we were researching for uh, this, uh, this podcast, you were asked, what advice would you give women that are striving to get into a senior leadership position? And you said, turn anxiety into curiosity. And I love that because I think women and particularly women in historically male-dominated industries experience, whether it be an imposter syndrome or that anxiety that you talk about. So can you elaborate a little bit, um, not just on that point, but how one may go about doing that? I think I could speak on behalf of all women who have been, you know, rising through the leadership ranks of their career. It's not uncommon to feel anxious from time to time. We're all human. And I've certainly faced my own healthy share of these moments. So, you know, this is one of my life hacks that I have, which has really helped me out over the years. I I feel like curiosity is a very powerful tool. It helps us learn. And it's a tool that everyone has. I found this fine line between anxiety and, you know, it's real, really, really strong curiosity. So with a bit of effort, it's not that difficult to change the narrative in your head and channel that anxiety into just pure curiosity. And I shift my mental focus into asking questions about whatever that situation is and thinking like, wow, this is really a curious situation. I wonder about I wonder about this. I wonder about that. And then I start listing off these questions. I put my focus on all the questions that I might have about what I want to learn or what I could learn. And then, you know, find the opportunity or make the opportunity to ask them because, you know, asking questions in these types of situation, it's a great way to help ease nerves and, you know, it helps turn anxiety into a pretty interesting learning experience. That's terrific advice and it's lifelong learning too. So thank you for that. 
maybe last final question is if you were going to do it all over again and Obviously, you've had a phenomenal career, so there's no redo necessary here. But for those starting out today, what skills would you want to have or recommend that someone starting out would look to gain in order to succeed in this evolving, incredibly dynamic marketplace? Yeah, well, first of all, I love what I do, and I would gladly do it all again. <laughs> I absolutely would. Um, but it's an interesting question, though, because you do say starting today and the needs today are obviously much different than they were, you know, 20 plus years ago when I started. Um, so, you know, there's so many great paths to take in this field that are incredibly interesting, and you always have to pick the one that's most interesting to you. But for me personally, today, I would lean very heavily into analytics into data science, into design, user-centered design, technology design, and of course, AI, as we've been talking about. But these, these are just powerful, sought-after skills that are in far too short of supply. There's a lot of demand. You know, I feel that if you learn, if you are awesome at data science, at analytics, at user-centered design, they're transferable to so many other areas. And most importantly to me, the impact that data science is having, will have, will continue to have on virtually every industry is limitless. So that's what sounds like a lot of fun to me. Thank you, Jody. Amazing conversation and lots of great teaching moments from Jody Eddy of Boston Scientific. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Pleasure's mine. Thank you for those listening to the Digital Horizons Leaders Podcast. Visit our website, www.mizuhodigitalhorizons.com for more episodes in this series and read more on the trends and technologies emerging from Digital Transformation 3.0. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Mizuho entity to the listener. Neither Mizuho nor any of its affiliates make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or the completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct or indirect or consequential losses or damage is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Mizuho, and Mizuho is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of the podcast by any listener is not to be taken as the giving of investment advice by Mizuho, nor to constitute that person a client of any Mizuho entity. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit mizuhogroup.com forward slash Americas.